Welcome to Palm Sunday, April 2nd, 2023, at St. Peter's United Church of Christ in sunny Skokie, Illinois. I was going to uh, record this introduction to the podcast on the front stoop of our building, a big front step, top step, I should say, and but it's too windy, and it would affect the sound quality. So, <clears throat> it, but it is before service. And um, the message, as you have read, is called the Earthquake Processional. And I will explain that, of course, in the homily. Um, Unfortunately for time, I didn't get to the earthquake part until near the end, and I regret that. But I still make my point, I hope. And uh, it's not just a point for Palm Sunday, but that's the processional part. And uh, I hope you will find this message um, educational and uh, offer you perhaps a, another perspective on not just today but on all that unfolds. Towards that end, I ask you to join me in asking God's blessing on this service and on your listening to the service, at least you know the podcast that it has. So let us pray. Merciful and powerful God, on this unique Sunday where we celebrate Jesus, the son of David, the king, coming into the capital city, Zion, on a donkey, we give you thanks for this demonstration in public of Jesus saying what kind of Messiah he wants to be. We ask you to be with us as we listen that we may get the most out of what's proclaimed, and we ask your blessing on its proclamation and on the scriptures, and also upon us as we think about these things and perhaps talk about these things later on, because we are here for you. And it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Our first reading is from Psalm 118, verses 1 and 2 and 19 through 29. This is the last of the Egyptian Hallel Psalms sung after a Passover celebration. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and God has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This ends the reading of Psalm 118. Our second reading is from Matthew 21, 
verses 1 through 11. When Jesus and the disciples had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus! From Nazareth in Galilee. This ends our readings of Scripture for this morning's service. In the summer, I was between junior high and high school. I was in the high school summer marching band. Other than making some new friends, some of whom are still my friends, I didn't really love it. Uh, I never loved parades. And uh, playing trumpet in them while marching, and I don't mean shuffling, I mean lifting up your knees as high as you're supposed to to march. Um, Playing trumpet while you're doing that is always tough on the lips. So I was glad when a parade was over and we could take off the white spats and hot band uniforms. When we were done, we were done. And when the parade was done, it was done. And now, think of worship, where some churches begin church with a processional. Could be the choir, it could be the pastoral staff, could be both, could be Sunday schoolers leading off with a program. What they do is a processional or a procession. And a processional, I learned, is not a parade. They're usually different. Some might think Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was, at the start of our Holy Week, was a parade. Not really. No. It was a procession. I'm indebted to UCC pastor of the Reverend Cheryl Lindsay for these words. Processions are a form of gathering. They can also serve to signal the beginning of something more beyond its own action. In other words, a procession is not a parade, which may be a standalone event. A procession typically is the first part of a more involved activity that contains a progression of events within the event, like a worship service, like Holy Week. Choirs and clergy may process to start a service, 
within the service event, though, are other events. As she said, a progression of events within the larger event. Confession, singing, communion, etc. But they start with gathering and then procession. Palm Sunday's tale is of gathering with the donkey and the disciples. And then the processional, as Cheryl observes, Holy Week 2 is a crucial series of events within the whole week. Processions signal the start of something more beyond itself. Yet in so doing, they can teach us a lot, especially this processional. The first thing we learn may strike us as obvious. In the words of Douglas Hare, the function of the opening passage of the Passion narrative is to exhibit Jesus' royal status in a public way. In 2 Kings 9, when Jehu is acclaimed as the new king, we read, Thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel. Then hurriedly they all took their cloaks and spread them for him on the bare steps and proclaimed, Jehu is king over Israel. Now the cloaks and branches are part of what would be the equivalent of our red carpet or a ticker tape parade. But this is not a parade. Although not explicitly messianic, Psalm 118 does call upon God as Lord. And then is spoken of, then this is spoken towards Jesus, seemingly bestowing upon him great authority. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. O Lord, save. Hosanna. Now following the healing story that had just ended before this story, the crowd, like those two blind men who were healed, called Jesus son of David. That's a messianic title. Presumably a royal one if you're talking about David. So the prophet, so there's some background already about this public uh, display or of Jesus' royal status. The prophecy most invoked along this line is what Jesus of what Jesus did is Zechariah chapter nine verse nine. Matthew quotes it, so we heard Karen read it. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Zechariah, saying, "Tell the daughter of Zion, look." Your king is coming to you, humble, and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is indeed acting as in fulfillment of this prophecy, as well as invoking elements of previous Jewish royalty upon being anointed king. This is Jesus, in public, laying silent claim to at least messiahship, if not kingship, if not divinity. That's one clear, that's one clear piece that this passage, this procession is about. As for processions leading to other events beyond itself, well, how his lordship was further revealed in the rest of the week, that was yet to come. And the reign of Jesus as Lord has never ended. 
So this is important when we think about Jesus. We hear this story each year so it can bounce off our ears. I've heard this. Along with its significance can bounce off our ears. Yes, he's making a public demonstration of being the new king of Israel or Mashiach and allowing the crowd to call out to him as Psalm 118 cried out to the Lord for deliverance. Hosanna, O Lord, save. But, but, this is a turning point in the career of Jesus. This may have been a modest procession in the grand scheme of things, but let's remember, Jesus had never said, I am Messiah, or I am the King of Israel before. He discouraged such conversation in Mark's Gospel particularly. Mark has a theme that scholars called Mark's Messianic Secret. That was whenever someone wanted to tell others what Jesus had done for them, like they'd been healed, or that they'd met whom they believed to be Messiah, Jesus would sternly order them to not say anything about him. Say nothing about this. He was preserving the reveal until he was closer to Calvary. He had a whole lot of work yet to do before letting the scribes and Pharisees and elders, high priests and the Sanhedrin seriously move up to jam him. Keep the secret until it's close to what John's Gospel calls the hour. This is a turning point because that's all over now. That's all over now. For those with eyes to see, this procession of the king of Israel riding peacefully into his capital was a full-fledged declaration of such royalty, of messiahship. He did not tell those crowds to stop cheering. Oh, don't say that. In fact, when the Pharisees griped about what the disciples and the crowds were saying, he told the Pharisees that if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. And that's an interesting reference to a a passage in one of the Hebrew prophets that talk about crying out against the injustice that was going on. But I talked about that last year, I think. So I'm going to just, it's it's just an interesting piece about saying the very stones would cry out. So this was, at last, the time to self-identify. The procession, starting an event which within itself holds many other events, kicks it off. From this point on, there is no turning back. For Jesus, how folks respond to what they saw and heard, the die is cast. No more messianic secret. It's out in the open. The procession, as we know, shows us that Jesus comes as a peaceful Messiah, a la Zechariah 9, which Matthew quoted. There is no sword, there are no bodyguards to protect him, but rather his humility and evident nonviolent agenda. It backs up his teaching earlier in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. We heard this too when Karen read it. Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The donkey was understood as an animal of peace as opposed to a war horse. And here Jesus comes, a humble king coming in peace. Our buddy, Frederick Dale Bruner, wrote, We have Jesus presented as king royal from God, 
he comes to you. And in all these high senses, Messiah. At the same time, he is the humble king, unpretentious, riding on a donkey. And only in these lower senses is a properly understood Messiah. His coming on a donkey, as Zechariah says, is about peace. And the word translated humble can also mean gentle. And his coming on a donkey also depicts nonviolence. And I'd say end quote, but actually continues. He talks about donkeys a little bit. Bruner says donkeys are lowly creatures. And in their way, they say a lot. They are slow, stubborn. The perennial work animals of the poor, and not too handsome, earthy animals indeed. And yet a monk donkey prophesied in Zechariah, who will bear a king into Jerusalem, says that on this particular journey, we have Jesus as he wants to be seen. As Emmanuel, Lord, as the true God with us in a truly human and gentle way. At our level, God on a donkey. End quote. The procession entered Jerusalem. And so this event moves to include a whole other set of events within the larger. When Jesus entered, Matthew recorded the whole city was in turmoil. Now, the word for turmoil is a stronger word than how it's given in English. The verb the Greek verb seo refers to the action of an earthquake. The corresponding noun seismos is you, you promote, we get the word seismic, it is used four times in Matthew. The city was so troubled, you might remember this, when the Magi came, Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, same verb. There was like an earthquake, a tremor was going on. And it will literally quake on Good Friday, at Jesus' death, Matthew 27, 51, and on Easter at Jesus' resurrection, 28, verses 2 through 4. Now perhaps Matthew means to suggest that the holy city was shaken to its foundations by the arrival of the Lord's anointed. And it struck me that at any rate, those who come in peace and love often trouble those like Herod who are in power and use it unjustly because it often means that those who come in peace and love will next be agitating for justice. Justice can be bad for some businesses and bad for those who will do anything to unjustly hold on to power that they're abusing. And that might sound familiar and relevant. The homily is called the earthquake procession. One event within the grander event started by getting the donkey is this quake, this shaking to a foundation. Let's remember, too, that when the humble, peace-loving Lord comes to town, a whole lot of people are going to be shaken because his rule and where his life is headed means, to borrow another biblical reference, the old wineskins that those using power unjustly, the old wineskins that they drink out of, are going to burst when his kingdom's new wine is poured in. Those old wineskins burst when new wine's poured in. You know, that's good news. Amen.
Hey, we're only human here at St. Peter's. Um, Karen, our elector for the day, whom I referred to in my homily, uh, was not able to, we weren't able to get her reading onto the podcast. And so I read those scriptures um, later on Sunday afternoon so that we would have them. Even though uh, Karen had read them, we just didn't get them onto the podcast. So in order, in, in the interest of uh, expediting our the publication of our podcast, um, I chose this way to complete our end of it so that it can get to uh, Laura, who makes it ready for publication and then sends it out to all of you who listen. And all of you who don't, but it's still sent out to all of you. <laughs> anyway, um, we may include Monday Thursday in our podcast. Laura and I need to talk about that, but... Even so, uh, you can be sure that we will be including the Easter message uh, shortly after we begin the week that Easter kicks off. So again, may God bless you, and especially during this holy week, with all that it has, may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much 